Hello, and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Pekosek. And today we're going to talk about why unhappiness at work is a bigger deal than you think. Lisa, this is a topic that you are really, really passionate about. Why don't you lead us off on it? Yeah, for sure. So the reason I'm passionate about it is because my clients come to me all the time when they're unhappy. Um, I've also experienced this in my own life in a very big way. And I just, it's actually the reason I got into coaching is because I was working in the corporate world. I would get on the commuter train at the end of the day and everybody around me looked miserable. It was like I was riding the train with a bunch of zombies. And I just thought, how is this okay? How is this a thing that people are okay with? Um, so unhappiness is, is everywhere in the workplace. And no matter what industry you're in, no matter what job you're doing, people are unhappy. And so the problem with being unhappy at work is that your work is such a big part of your week. You're there. It's a big part of your day, Monday to Friday. And, you know, you have your weekends, but if you're still unhappy at work, that weekend gets cut short because you're bringing your work home with you Friday evening. And then by Sunday afternoon, it's already started that pit in your stomach. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a Monday to Friday thing. It seeps into everything. Not only that, but a lot of people use work as part of their identity. So when, when work is part of your identity and you're feeling so unhappy, it impacts, it can impact your mental health on it in a really big way. Oh, totally. Yeah. So that, that's the, the start of my, my passion about this. Yeah. As, as compartmentalized as some people try to be, and there are some people that, that do it pretty well in terms of trying to separate work from the rest of their life. Uh, I, I don't know. You, you only have like one brain. And so you can't just, you know, download what happened um, between nine and five to some other person's mind space. If you are that unhappy at work, it's, it's very likely you're going to be unhappy when you're not at work. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And I mean, your own story of leaving the corporate finance world and going off into the career coaching space. I mean, how, how driven was that by just being unhappy? It was a big part. Yeah. And it, it evolved over time because there was a lot of parts that I was happy with in terms of the level of responsibility that I had, the uh, leaders that I was able to work with, but the satisfaction was a misalignment inside of myself. So it was not feeling that the work that I was doing was as beneficial as I wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. So that's where my unhappiness stemmed from. And it impacted, you know, there, there was a particular point in my life where I was having panic attacks on the way to work. Oof. I was arguing with family. Um, I was I was miserable all the time. And the arguments that I would have with my my family and friends, luckily, you know, my family is extremely um, understanding and and still loves me, but there was times that I wish that I could go back and and I wish that I had done something sooner instead of mm -hmm. letting it get to that point. Mm -hmm. The stress that you can put on the people who've always been in your corner, if you're constantly showing up as an unhappy person can be really, really devastating. Uh, if that's, if that's the person that they know you as. Yeah. When it comes to 
actually being at work in your physical workspace and being unhappy, what are some of the effects that you can feel with that mindset? One of the biggest things that I've seen with my clients is a a decline in performance Mm -hmm. because your motivation isn't there as much as it used to be. There's a really big difference between somebody who is excited to go to work and somebody who's just paying their dues or putting in the hours. Um, And you can see it and, and everybody can see it. So even in conversations, you know, let's say you're having a phone call with somebody as a worker who's excited that rubs off on the other person. Whereas having a conversation as somebody who's unhappy, that also rubs off on the other person. So your, your interpersonal interactions is one component of it. Um, not wanting to take on extra work, not wanting to go out of your way to do additional things at work. Mm -hmm. That'll is part of it. Uh, and just general performance issues start to come up. Um, you, you don't have your spark. You're not, you're not putting in the same type of energy. Yep. Yeah, to what you said about just your interpersonal connections, right? Enthusiasm is contagious, but mm-hmm. negativity is also really contagious. Yeah. And so you, you want to be ideally part of a contagion that's positive in your workplace as opposed to being the source of negative contagion uh, when it comes to your own unhappiness. Yeah. If someone's really, really unhappy in their work, what should they be thinking about doing? The first step is really acknowledging that they're unhappy. Mm -hmm. A lot of people accept that as normal. And so they look around and they, they look at their coworkers and they say, Oh, well, everybody's unhappy. So this is just the way that it's supposed to be, but sign me up. Yeah. (laughs) That's not a thing. You don't have to be unhappy. So acknowledge that this isn't working for you. And that's, that's kind of the first step. Um, After that, it's really, understanding what is going to make you happy because throughout school, I'm not sure if you had a careers class when you were in high school. Uh, I mean, I, I did, it was, it was not like the most compelling course I ever took in high school, but yes, there was one on my curriculum. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) it's, it has a good intention, but yes, great intention, but the, the actual, execution of it isn't great. And so nobody really ever asks you what's going to make you happy. Your aunt might've asked you when you were five years old, but that's probably the end of it. So really spending some time, whether that's a couple hours a week or, you know, as much as you can do, because a lot of Mm -hmm. the time when you're really unhappy at work, you don't have the, the energy to do a lot of stuff, but even just, you know, taking the time half an hour or an hour a week can really make a difference to figuring out where you want to be longer term. Yeah, no, for sure. You, when you come home and you're exhausted and you, you still have maybe four or five hours in the day, maybe more, but you feel like you could go to bed Yeah. as soon as you walk in the door, that's usually a pretty good sign that it's time to start changing your thoughts around what you're doing, mm-hmm. which then leads to a change in action. Talk to me a little bit about what the the progression of someone who, who starts working with you and it's not to like run a crazy sales pitch here on your work, but give me a little bit of a sense of what's the journey like for someone who is leaving a work environment that makes them really unhappy towards something that is a much better, happier place. 
So the progression really starts within the person who's unhappy. So they, yeah. they acknowledge that something's wrong. They try to figure out what the next steps are going to be. And the reality is that people can do it on their own. Mm -hmm. People don't need a coach to, to go to that next phase, but it happens a lot faster when you do the inner yeah. work first. So a lot of the, the first couple of weeks that I do, that I work with clients is around that self-discovery piece and mm -hmm. understanding what is going to make them happy. Um, looking back at the work that they've done so far, what pieces of that work have they enjoyed? What pieces do they absolutely not like? Um, and once we kind of understand interests and skills and all of those pieces that come together to make them fulfilled, then we start to take a look at, um, what are the non-negotiables? Because everyone's life, you know, you, you can't just quit your job for most of us. Most of mm -hmm. us have responsibilities, bills to pay, a future to plan for, all that kind of stuff. So what are the non-negotiables in terms of salary? What are the non-negotiables in terms of day-to-day, um, -day, right? Like, do you, can you go and work in, in Indonesia? Can you, mm -hmm. do you have to stay in a physical location? So there's, there's external factors and then there's also internal factors. Um, and it's kind of building the story. It's helping people to understand their own career story and their own internal story. Mm -hmm. Once they connect the pieces, number one, they have clarity of where they want to go next. So they actually understand what the job is that's going to make them fulfilled longer term, but they're able to articulate that to, to, people that they're interested in chatting with. So back to our networking discussion, mm -hmm. after you go through the, these pieces, you now have a clear story that you can have a conversation with somebody and say, these are the things that I want to do. This is where I'm headed. And somebody can say, Oh, perfect. I know somebody that can help you with that. Yep. Yeah, totally. Being able to present yourself in a really coherent way to sort of say, Hey, I'm, I'm really looking for this, this, and that. And yeah. then that really can, take a discussion with someone else in a networking setting and really drive it in a direction that's concrete and not, you know, kind of lost and, and hopeless. So, okay. The, sorry, I just wanted to add the other yeah. piece there that I work with a lot with clients is around fear mm -hmm. because there is a big fear around changing careers. Um, generally when you've been at something for a long time, there's fears, everything from, I'm not going to be able to do anything else. I don't know how. Uh, job searching is scary. My skills can only be used in one area. So there, there's all sorts of limiting beliefs that people have that hold them in that place and keep them stuck. So it's yeah. really unpacking those and understanding the validity in them because they're all, they're all valid thoughts. Mm -hmm. They come from somewhere. But then saying, is that what you want to continue to, to believe in order to move forward? Yeah, I, I find that a lot of people who are unhappy in their work, uh, and I've been there too at, at points in my life, a lot of what uh, they're doing in their career is driven by fear as opposed mm -hmm. to by conscious choice. And so, yes, it makes total sense what you just said. If you can overcome some of these really innate fears that you've got around maybe you know, transitioning to a new field or taking a... 30% pay cut to go do something else or, you know, change where you live, change how you live. Mm -hmm. That would be what creates momentum in terms of people actually getting to a happier place in their professional lives. But yeah, if, if you can't overcome that fear roadblock, 
I would yeah. imagine people get stuck for, for quite some time. And on that as well, yeah. once you do get past those things and you move on to this career that you're so much happier in, you don't even realize how bad it was until you get to that better place. And then you look back and you're like, why did I let that hold me back? <laughs> it seems so, so simple after you're past it, but it's, it seems like a huge hurdle while you're standing in front of it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like the big mountain that blocks your view of the rest of the world. And as you gradually climb up it, you start to see things open up on either side of you that you're like, Whoa, I need to keep climbing. It's a great analogy. Thanks. Totally just came to my head. Um, I have to write that one down and publish it one day. But for now, <laughs> when you're really unhappy and you bring it home to maybe a relationship or as you talked about earlier, your family or your friends, what are some of the impacts that can have? It starts to impact the way that you connect with others. Yeah. I find that for myself, when I was in that place, I was very selfish. My problems were so big to me at the time that I wasn't a good friend. I wasn't mm -hmm. as caring as I normally am. So people around me were going through lots of very different things as well, but I was so focused on my problems that I wasn't able to see and, and empathize for other people. Yeah, that makes total, total sense. The whole collapsing of sort of your vision your and not physical vision but your your social vision of your world and the people that are in it and the things that are going on can totally fall apart when you can only think about yourself and being a victim and yeah like how am i ever going to fix this of course it's it's really bad yeah of course i put myself in this position as you start to kind of elevate yourself from that place uh, there can be a big shift in terms of how you can reconnect with other people and be aware of other people's realities. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I ask myself if I come home from a day or I've had a couple of days that have been really tough in work, um, it, it's one thing to to talk about the issues and to vent a little bit about what's going on. Right. My girlfriend's a, a great listener and hears me out on a whole bunch of different things. At some point, I make sure to ask myself, uh, am, I, am I making home an uncomfortable place mm -hmm. for, for her or for anyone else if they were around us? And to make sure that like, if I'm hitting that level of unhappiness, A, there's probably something that I can do to kind of relieve this energy somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But B, just on a more important note, uh, some action has to be taken on my part to actually negate this huge influx of negativity that I'm bringing into my house. Mm -hmm. I, for me, I'll speak for myself, I value my relationship more than I value work. And I know that's not going to be the same for everyone. Mm -hmm. But if I act in alignment with that belief, then I have to take care of work so that it doesn't supersede that value yes. on relationship. I have to do more with my relationship to continue to, to build that, reinforce that, but then also just make sure that like that, that priority list 
doesn't change. Uh, so I'm, I'm really conscious of that. And I would imagine that that becomes more, more difficult to be conscious of your priorities as you become really unhappy. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Very well said. Thanks. What else can you share either from your own personal story or from a client's story or just from your own observations about unhappiness at work? It's really tough to change. It's, it's really, really tough to make a change. And I know that you and I talked a little bit about this when you interviewed me for your article mm -hmm. in that individuals are the only people who can change it. So by not making a change, you're actually choosing the unhappiness, which can be a tough thing to hear. So it, it's it, nobody else can, can say to you, okay, it's time to make a change. You need to find that within your yourself and make the conscious effort because it's, it, first of all, there's making a choice. So you make a choice that it's time to, to change. Mm -hmm. The next piece is actually taking action because you can talk about it, but without taking steps forward, you're going to be in the same place a year from now. So even though you're drained when you get home from work, you still need to make that concerted effort and make it just like you said, a priority in order to, to have any difference. And one of the biggest things, and this was true for myself and it's true of a lot of people that I speak with as well. Mm -hmm. They, they know that they need to change, but everything else gets in the way first. So carving out a small amount of time. And I, I tell this to my clients all the time. If it's half an hour, if it's an hour per week over, a, a, you know, two months, let's say that's eight hours now that you've put in to your job search or to making a change that you wouldn't have done otherwise. Mm -hmm. And every one of us can find an hour, whether it's on our commute, whether it's, you know, on a Saturday morning and there's some specific steps that you can start to take, whether that's reading books that will help you to decide what you want to do, going to events that's going to open your mind to things that you enjoy doing, um, updating your resume, having coffee with somebody. Mm -hmm. These are all really little pieces that can have a big impact on how you start to move forward. And once you start moving forward, that momentum gives you the energy to be able to continue. Yeah, no, absolutely. The, 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 the climb up that mountain as it opens your view, as it creates new connections, as it builds momentum for sure. Just getting started is often the hardest part. Yeah. It's just, I love your analogy and I'm going to use it for a second. So you're standing <laughs> at the bottom of your mountain and you look up and you're like, I, I, there's no way I have the energy to do this. And then you're halfway up and you're like, Oh, I only have halfway to go. I definitely have the energy now. And when you get closer to the top, you're like, yes, I'm doing this. I'm starting to run now. Amazing. So it's the same with your job search. Love this mountain analogy. It's had a very long life so far. I'm, I'm sure it's <laughs> going to live again in another episode. For sure. When you can't get going with something uh, because of unhappiness, right? You want to make a change and your fear sets in. Um, as you carry that unhappiness around, I'm going to borrow a different analogy from a guy named Tal Ben-Shahar, who is a former Harvard professor who has made his name around happiness research. He talks about the idea of unhappiness at, in general, but we'll use ha unhappiness at, at work in this context as being kind of like a sore thumb. And so a sore thumb in itself is not like a crippling injury. It's not going to, to kill you. You 
you can go days, weeks, months, years with your sore thumb. But it's something that is always there. It's always on your mind. You're always thinking about it. And if you were to just remove the sore thumb, if you were to relieve that pain, what effect, what effect would that have on your life when it's no longer something that you're always distracted by? So when it comes to, when it comes to the clients that you worked with or your own experiences, you talked about it's incredible how happy you can be and then look back and say, wow, I was really, really sad in my previous state. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that kind of true? Is it the sore thumb disappearing that creates that sensation of, oh, I'm, I'm happy now? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it impacts so many different areas. You feel like you have your spark back. You feel like there's a fire inside you again. Your anxiety decreases. You are happy. It's just, it's a really interesting feeling of waking up in the morning when you're really unhappy and, and you don't feel like going to work at all. You don't even want to get out of bed. You press snooze as many times as mm-hmm. possible. And then all of a sudden you're happy at your job and you're enjoying it and you jump out of bed because you're excited about the day and you don't dread Mondays because you have a lot of work that you are going to do. And just as a personal example, um, I was talking to my mom about this recently because Mm -hmm. long weekends for me now are, are hard. (laughs) Long weekends in the past were things that I would just look forward to. I'd count down the days. It would be a month out and I'd be like, all right, four more weeks until the next long weekend. And now I, I come up to a long weekend and I'm like, well, that means I only have four days next week to get everything done that I want to do. <laughs> Time crunch. Yeah. So it, it's, it's really night and day in that sense. Yeah. It, it's funny how you talk about counting down days to long weekends because I, I used to work with someone And every time I bumped into him in the morning, that was what he talked about. It was like the days remaining to until the weekend or until the long weekend or the number of days, work days we were going to have post long weekend. I was like, oh my goodness, this, this poor guy. Yeah. And sometimes I felt that too, but fortunately I haven't gotten, (laughs) I've never been to that place where I was like, well, just counting down the minutes until I'm not here. Yeah. Um, but that's probably a pretty good sign that it's time to, to take some action. For sure. What else can we add to this topic? I think that uh, the other component is that when we are unhappy, we tend to focus on the problem. Yeah. Which doesn't leave a lot of space for coming up with the solution. Mm-hmm. So that victim mentality that you mentioned, we're so focused on, oh, I'm so unhappy. Everything is horrible. And, and we complain a lot about it. So we're focusing on, on what's bad. Yep. Whereas if you shift to the mindset of how can I change this? How can I fix this? Then you, your brain power that goes into that is really going to shift the way that you move forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it can be difficult, but also easy. <laughs> okay. It, it's, it's hard to do, but it's simple. So really, Instead of, you know, when you notice your thought pattern going towards how unhappy you are, recognize that. And over the first couple of weeks, even just recognizing it is really helpful. Mm -hmm. But then once you recognize it saying, okay, what can I do about this? And it's a simple question that you ask yourself. 
I totally hear you on what you're saying about it. It's simple, uh, but really hard to do this whole mindset shifting. And even just this past week, I, to your point around sort of documenting how you're thinking, I was actually sitting at my, my desk earlier in the week, earlier on in the week and said, that was a really destructive thought. Like I said that out loud with a couple other colleagues around. I was like, <laughs> that's some really destructive thinking I'm going through. Um, Amazing. And if you can become more aware of that, for sure, it's a big first step. The story that we tell ourselves about what we're doing or where we're at has the biggest impact possible on how we feel, mm -hmm. right? Like that's, our feelings come from our thoughts. And if we can change what we think about, if we can change how we think about our, our reality, we can very quickly change how we feel about it. And yeah, sure. I mean, it's not like, it's not like my, what I, the work I was doing in that moment, as I said, this is a destructive moment. It's not like the event changed. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it was my perception of it that did. And I was able to kind of get myself back on track in that, in that moment. Mm -hmm. But to actually make a bigger change to, to make a career change is about like what you just said is it, recognizing it, understanding how you're the story that you're telling yourself. And then it's time at that point to write a new story. Yeah. Can you, can you just remember, I don't know if um, it's fresh in your mind, but when you were transitioning out of your uh, finance career, what was the, what were some of the new stories you were telling yourself? The new stories were really centered around how I wanted to make a difference hmm. and the impact that I wanted to have. It wasn't about, you know, oh, I work all these long hours and I, work is, is not that exciting for me anymore. It really shifted to saying, I have all of these skills now that are going to set me up for whatever I'm going to do next. Mm -hmm. They're not, they may not be directly applicable, but I have the, the tools that I need to be able to make this transition. And I know that I want to have an impact on the world around me. And this is how I'm going to do it. Yeah, and you have you you've done it too. It's it's been amazing to see you evolve, and it it comes from I'm guessing it has come from that that mindset shift that happened over not overnight, right? Not overnight, for sure. No. I went to a career coach myself. The, <laughs> the thing is that, like I said before, anybody can do it, but to have somebody to really help you identify patterns and and thought processes is a really really big catalyst to making a change. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just want to say one more piece on that because everybody out there has a gift, a unique gift that they have to bring to the world. And by staying in a job where you feel like you're not reaching your potential, you're actually holding that back from the world. Mm -hmm. So by, by making a change and having the courage to really break out of that pattern and break out of that, that unhappiness, you're now allowing yourself to have an impact on the world around you and mm -hmm. to potentially leave a legacy depending on what it is that you want to do. So as much as it's scary and as much as it's difficult and not always an easy process moving into that. And, and this is just my idealist way of thinking about things, but if everybody could be doing something that they loved, the world would be a happier place. Absolutely. Yeah. Raise the happiness of the world. One person at a time <laughs> to borrow IPEX, uh, 
slogan where we did our coach training yeah. and modify it a little bit. Your point about gifts reminds me of a quote from an, a coach named Shannon Graham. And uh, we can link to him in our, our show notes. But he once said in an interview, and this one really resonated with me around gifts. He says, some people have gifts as you said, right? They can create things. They can do certain things. Um, the work that they do is very, very valuable in terms of the output. It helps other people. Um, and then some people have gifts and some people are gifts. Mm-hmm. And so their presence, their energy, their personality, the conversations that they have with people Mm-hmm. Those are what are valuable. It's not it's not necessarily a tangible product or outcome that you can point at and say, "Hey, I did this." It's it's something more transient that happens. And if you if you can't be in touch with that part of you, right? Like we'll use networking as an example. If you're a great networker and there are people who make millions of dollars a year, as people who build networks for others, mm-hmm. right? They, they connect others. They help them build their networks. That's a very, that can be a very difficult thing to quantify, but the work that you're doing, the conversations, the connections you're building, your ability to be in that mindset is the gift to others. Mm-hmm. And if you can tap back into something like that, if you can find it in yourself, I think that can create a compelling argument for people to sort of overcome, begin to overcome the fears that they've got about creating a change, knowing that, that somewhere in them, they have that much power to do that much good for other people, which yeah. is typically something that makes all of us happy. For sure. So some people have gifts and some people are the gift. Shannon Graham. I love it. Yeah. Very cool. Anything else we got on this topic? I think that we've pretty much covered it off. Yeah. Beautiful. It's a good one. It's definitely the start of when, when you realize you're unhappy, it's the start of a journey. And most journeys are really hard at the beginning. They're really messy in the middle. And then they're usually a lot of fun and much easier at the end, Mm -hmm. but just realizing, Oh, like, (laughs) something really has to change and you start climbing up that mountain. That's how we live better lives. In my opinion. Absolutely. Cool. All right. So we'll wrap this up. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you join us next week on the career builders podcast. I'm Mike bird. I'm Lisa Fikosek. and have a great week. Thank you. Bye for now.